Hello, Annie McLaughlin here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne, and we're broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. When Brad Marsh went into bat to fight for his daughter against abysmal pay from her employer, Baker's Delight, he was just picking the scab off a pussy saw. We speak to Brad and retail and fast food workers union organiser Mel Gregson for an update later in the program. In the 1970s, New South Wales Liberal Premier Bob Askin planned to build motorways through inner Sydney. 45 years later, the Libs have dusted off the original plans under the name of West Connect. The community have come out in protest. This week, the Sydney branch of the Maritime Union of Australia joined residents protesting the construction of the West Connect. We will hear Stick Together's New South Wales reporter, Colin Hesse, speaking to MUA's Paul Keating later in the program. But first, some union news. The Australian Unemployed Workers Union rally, Dignity Not Debt, in the Melbourne CBD on February the 3rd, started at the steps of the Melbourne State Library and finished at the Liberal Party headquarters in Exhibition Street. There, Centrelink debt letters were ceremonially shredded. The rally called for the resignation of Federal Minister Dudge and a revoking of the automated debt letter system now in force. The rally was addressed by Owen Bennett from the AUWU, Rupert Evans from the CPSU, Greens leader Richard Di Natale and those directly affected by the automated debt system. Stick Together will give you an extended report next week. The Australian Federal Police are ordered to pay CFMEU's court costs over unlawful raid, says ACT Supreme Court. The raid made headlines on the eve of the appearance from Construction Forestry Mining Energy Union officials, the CFMEU officials, at the Trade Union Royal Commission in 2015. The CFMEU sued the police, calling for the material seized to be returned. Officials said much of it was private information of no relevance to the Royal Commission. The court found police had acted unlawfully and ordered the material to be returned and copies destroyed. The APF's appeal against the original finding failed. The CFMEU's ACT branch secretary, Dean Hall, said the ruling by the court meant the police would have to pay out more than $200,000. He said the entire affair was a disgraceful waste of police resources. The warrant was exercised unlawfully, he said. It was designed to maximise negative publicity on the eve of our appearance in the Trade Union Royal Commission. Dave Oliver bows out as Secretary of the ACTU with Vice President Sally McManus, the front-runner for the position. 
McManus is head of campaigns at the ACTU and credited with the massively successful grassroots campaign Build a Better Future, leading up to the last federal election. Her achievements as a left-wing secretary of the New South Wales and ACT branch of the Australian Services Union included a successful campaign for equal pay. Dave Oliver says he will be spending more time with his family, while if Sally McManus were to succeed him as ACTU secretary, it will be the first time a woman has had the top job. You're on Stick Together with Annie McLaughlin, produced at 3CR Melbourne and distributed by the Community Radio Network and arriving through your local community radio station. Over the Christmas break, more and more instances of wage theft from well-known companies were coming to light. Baker's Delight was exposed as a company that was exploiting a predominantly young female workforce. The charge was made specifically by Brad Marsh, father of a young employee. Instead of shaking his head, he took it to the Fair Work Commission. I was able to find out first from Mel Gregson, an organiser for the Retail and Fast Food Workers Union, some background to the dispute, and then speak to Brad Marsh about how he went about changing the status quo. Okay, um, Okay. so can you tell me about that? Yeah, so the new um, Fast Food and Retail Workers Union um, have launched a petition with Fair Work Australia to get um, one of the first groups of Baker's Delight workers who are getting organised for them to terminate their old Work Choices era franchise agreement. Um, Baker's Delight operates on the basis there's a head office. Some stores are run through the head office, but the majority of them are franchises. Um, and head office has, over the you know past few decades... Um, been been using um, old work choices legislation in order to um, cut penalties and not give pay increases. And because they rely, their workforce is largely made up of teenagers, particularly young women, um, a lot of these people um, weren't really aware of their rights or weren't really, when they were asking why they weren't getting penalty rates, when some of their friends were at different jobs, um, they were told, oh, that's just the way that we operate. And so all of the franchises, the Baker's Delight franchises around the country have used a similar model of passing anti-union work choice error agreements in order to cut penalty rates for young workers. So you've got some young women working in Baker's Delight um, for like $7 an hour <laughs> type thing. Um, and this is on the weekend. On the weekends, yeah, absolutely. Uh, so they, a, a lot of them get, it's, it different, depends on which store you're talking about, but a lot of them just get a flat rate, no penalty rates. Um, and so these young women have started to realise that that's, well, they already knew it was unfair, but starting to realise that there's some recourse for them if they get organised, if they challenge it, if they stand up. And um, it's really inspiring to see young women all across the country starting to do that. Um, You've been working with some of these young women, haven't you? Yeah, so a few years ago I ran a campaign in... in a, a, there was three Baker's Delight franchises up in the northern suburbs of Melbourne and a young woman that I met and I knew worked there. And when I looked at her, she was telling me she wasn't getting penalty rates, so I looked at her agreement and realised it was one of these expired work choices agreements. So we ran a campaign to organise the workers and we got that agreement terminated and we got them back onto the award. So, But what's happening now with the new um, Retail and Fast Food Workers Union is that this is a serious organisation that's really 
willing to do the work and do the organising to get young workers all across the country to get their penalty rates back. So they've been doing great work in Coles and Woolworths and are now, after reaching out to some of these um, young Baker's Delight workers, they've taken on um, this campaign um, in order to show young people what unionism is really about because they're not getting that from, you know, the, the SDA or other, some other unions that represent young people. So um, I think what's most inspiring about this campaign is not just um, the, the strength of these young women to stand up for themselves but what it represents in a renewal of the labour movement in a sense of the traditions that it was built on that have largely been lost in a lot of industries. Okay, so the, there's nine, nine that have... Uh got their uh, nine Baker's Delight outlets that are coming from the, run by the main office, that have now got the contract annulled and they're moving on to a proper award rate but does that mean that any changes will have to be store by store? Well, I mean, that termination of that old agreement that the Baker's Delight head office was under only came through a challenge and it was actually... Um, the father of a Baker's Delight worker who looked into the same thing that we've all been looking into of how are they getting away with not paying young young workers penalty rates and he um, took it to Fair Work Australia on, himself on his own um, no lawyers or anything like that and he challenged it and after um, there was some media coverage of that he got some pro bono lawyers to help support him and when the Baker's Delight lawyers realised that that was the case and the amount of b- bad publicity they got over exploiting such, young, such a young workforce um, they've decided to back down, and now they say they're going to put those workers on the award. But the reality is most Baker's Delights are franchises, and so they have their own agreements. Um, not a single one is a union agreement. They're all non-union agreements that are that are written to um, take away rights that exist in the award, which is supposed to be the minimum standards. It's supposed to be the industry standards. But the reality is that if you have a team of lawyers working for you, um, you can carve a lot of those rights um, and wages and penalties out of um, out of the award if you if you if you pass an agreement. So there's a whole um, legal approach um, that is part of the campaign. But really, I think um, at the moment the main thing is to talking to these young young workers about what a union is about. You don't have to necessarily accept the conditions that your bosses and your management is telling you you have to. You have rights, and if you fight for those rights, you can really improve your situation. A few years ago when we when we ran the, the first campaign um, to get rid of a dodgy work choices agreement in the Baker's Delights in the north of Melbourne, um, some workers got a, 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 um, a doubling of their pay overnight. Those young women that only worked on weekends because they're high school students um, only worked you know, um, during hours where they should be receiving penalty rates, their pay doubled simply because they got organised and stood up and stood together. They didn't back down when their boss threatened them um, and they got their first taste of what it means to be to, to organise in your workplace and I think that that's a really, really important young lesson for young workers to, to learn. And surprise, surprise, the business didn't go out of business. I mean, they're making so much money. Bread is not expensive to make and we all know how much Baker's Delight charge for a loaf of bread. Um, it's like a cash cow for, for those people taking out franchises. And obviously, head office, the Baker's Delight as a company, it's one of the wealthiest companies in Australia for a reason because they're not just um, exploiting a very young um, workforce that for a lot of these young, young people, it's their first job. They don't necessarily you know, know what their workplace rights are or know how to stand up against something that they, that they know is unfair. 
So they're exploiting the workforce, but there's also lots of dodgy stuff between the company and the franchisees. So there's these different layers of exploitation that have made Baker's Delight one of the one of the one of the richest, most profitable co- uh, companies in this country. But it's on the backs of of young workers and I think the reality is the response we've got so far from the campaign is that people aren't just people aren't just going to accept that and so the support that these young women have had so far for standing up has been overwhelming and hopefully it will lead to more young workers coming forward and wanting to fight back. Thanks very much Mel. The RI Do Stick Together show and Brad you're the father of the girl that uh, went to Fair Work. Yeah so tell us all about it. Um well, it started when she got a job and I was uh, delighted that she... Well, she got a job because I was harassing her to get a job because I just think that's something they should do. And uh, she wanted to work at Baker's Delight and I thought that's great. I thought they were a pretty good brand, to be honest, you know, and employed lots of young people, always seem to be smiling when you go in there. And um, she grumbled about how little she was getting paid and I just ignored that at first because I think a little bit of hard work doesn't hurt, hurt a teenager, you know. So she worked six hours on a Saturday at the age of 15 in between, you know, two, three, three games of sport and homework and all that sort of stuff, and she was knackered. And uh, so there was no issue with the work. What I had an issue was with was when I looked at her pay slip and saw that she was getting paid less than I was getting when I worked in a petrol station at the same age 30 years ago. And I thought, this is wrong. What, what? And I couldn't believe it. And, and so... I, I, I assume that Baker's Light, they're a big company, they must, I thought they've got to be doing the, same, the, the right thing, but this just doesn't seem right. So I went to the Fair Work website and um, I punched in her details and the Fair Work website said she should be getting paid this and she was getting paid like half of that and I thought, well, this doesn't make sense. And it said that on the website, it's actually illegal to not pay the minimum wage. And yet there she was getting paid the minimum wage. And I I couldn't work it out. And I contacted Fair Work and they were pretty useless. So they sent me a message back saying, oh, why isn't she being paid the award? Which is sort of what I was asking. And sent me a link to how to have difficult conversations at work. Training video, how to have, you know, and supposedly that's the advice that a 15-year-old gets from the Fair Work. So in the end, I spent months of trying to scratch and trying to make sense of what was going on and then eventually discovered that this agreement was, uh, they were legally paying her under an agreement that was um, struck under Howard's work choices and that because of the technicalities of all the transitional arrangements and the really complex legislation they put in place uh, to deal with transitional agreements or the transition to the fair work system that this agreement could just sit there and keep rolling over and even though it's now 10 years since it was made and seven years since it had expired they were still legally uh, able to pay their very young very unorganized uh, totally unorganized workforce um, they just they could just keep paying that and they were um, waiting for someone to challenge it basically yeah and look they could have ended at any time so it could be ended by a an employee or an employer or the employer um, or an employer, un- like a union or something. Now, there's no union in Baker's Delight. The employees, they're all 15. They seem to, from what I can tell, Baker's Delight seem to... It almost seems deliberate. The employees only stay there for six months, and I, and I think that's just, then they don't have a chance to work out that they're not being paid enough, you know? Yes, yes. <laughs> um, so it, they were just happily having it going on for... And probably forever it would have gone on. Um, I eventually emailed the, the, the manager and, and I said, this doesn't seem right. And I, at that stage, I still couldn't believe that the agreement was legal. And then that got forwarded to an area manager and his reply back to me made the, the penny drop that, no, they knew exactly what they were doing and they knew that it was legal. And that's when I thought, there's something else. And that's where I, I managed to find 
um, about it, that the agreement was, um, was it's got a transitional agreement name. And also finally managed to find a form. Uh, someone, I got in touch with a legal aid, employment, employment legal aid, I can't remember their name, but they, they had aware of it and they pointed me in the right direction of the form. And um, at this stage, my daughter wanted to resign anyway. She was sick of being teased for being paid really crap and uh, feeling exploited. Um, you know, she wasn't very happy about you know, being taken advantage of and, um, and had enough. And also, I, and we talked about this, and she, she said, look, I, you know, I said, do you want to get this form in and we'll try and get that agreement ended? And she was a bit nervous about what would happen at work if she was still there. So we decided to give her notice that she was resigning and then we'd lodge the form, which I thought that would mean it would just get terminated um, and that would be the end of it and that would be a great thing. But it turns out... Uh, like everything that is within the legal framework and the court systems, nothing's that simple. And um, they fought it. And I, in the end, um, I would have been going to court in Monday week. But as of this week, Baker's Delight, I think they've, um, there's just some, come to the public pressure. What's been really heartening through this is it's, it's, I've really discovered that, by and large, everyone out there, Australians generally, just want companies to pay their workers properly, pay them fairly, and Baker's Delight weren't doing that. And I think that's hit their hit, the, um, hit their hip pocket. They've, um, I, I would imagine, I don't get to see their sales figures, but yeah, I have a feeling... Customers withdraw, drew their uh, yeah. buying power. Lots of people have. I mean, I've been contacted by so many people saying, good on you for standing up, I'm going to shop elsewhere. Not very easy because um, they've, they've killed all the competition, uh, and that's the other sad thing about this is that um, it's not even fair from an economic point of view that why should this one organisation mm. be able to hold on to this old agreement that's not part of the... Like, you know, if, I, if I'm a new baker now and I want to strike out on my own and open up my business, I'm paying the award. Why, why should Baker's Delight have that unfair advantage? So, anyway, that's a whole other side of this issue. Anyway, it appears they've bowed to public pressure and um, announced that uh, they're going to terminate the agreement which means I don't have to go to court anymore. And that's a bit of a, bit of a relief for me because I'm, I'm not a lawyer and not very comfortable in a court situation. But I would have, I would have been in there fighting it anyway because I just felt that this was the right thing to do and um, I want to fight for everyone else's sons and daughters that work at Baker's Delight. And, and also because, I, you know, I, I think this is just part of this, um, you know, scramble to the bottom. You know, if Baker's Delight can do it, then another big company thinks, well, why can't we do it? And we've we just got to stop this. They should just start paying. The, you know, the minimum wage is not a lot of money. Yeah, that's right. It's minimum. And they're not going out of business. They're thriving. They're doing very well. They've got a, a business model that um, thrives on paying its workers as little as possible. Um, I would have thought that the minimum wage should be the minimum and they should come out and say that they pay their workers more than the minimum. So they, they say they value their workers. To me, if you value something, you pay for it. You know, When I value something, I'll, I'll give it more. You know, If someone gives me great service, I'm going to say, yeah, and here's the extra. That's how you value something. Um, so you know, there's words and then there's actions. I decided to Good on it. you. Yeah, thank you. So anyway, so it's been a small win, but look, there's still Baker's Delight's a franchise model. Uh, what we've achieved, um, what I've managed to achieve affects the nine stores and a couple of hundred workers around Australia. There's another five, six hundred franchisees, um, and it's hard to know what's going on. They've all got their own agreements. Some are probably paying the award, I'm sure. Um, I've got evidence that many have got the same old agreement, and I'm not sure what's happening with those. Um, More work to be done. Yeah, but not for me because I'm only someone's dad. But I, hopefully I've shone the light and also just allowed workers to understand who work at Baker's Delight and customers of Baker's Delight to at least sort of ask, you know, what's going on? You're on Stick Together, union news and social justice issues.
An issue of big roads tearing up local inner-city communities based on 1960s infrastructure plans is not new. The East-West Link protests in Melbourne are now being echoed in community pickets in Sydney against West Connect. Stick Together's New South Wales reporter Colin Hesse was able to speak to MUA's Paul Keating to find out why this is a union issue. Colin, the, the reason why the Sydney branch of the MUA uh, and the MUA at large has always been, um, you know, alongside community uh, groups and activism is because we're from the community. Our members live in our communities. And um, as for this uh, West Connects, it was a deal done behind closed doors between the most powerful organisations, you know, big business and the political establishment without the um, correct or the uh, proper process of the community being consulted and, and find an agreement. Uh, Paul, what are the impediments to taking to unions taking solidarity action like this? Well, I, I guess where we are is that um, there should be it should be understood in regard to this, you know, um, community action. Uh, for four months, the community have stood up. In fact, that they've had a, a tent. Uh, erected in Sydney Park now for 130 days. Uh, and they've been building among Sydney siders, um, you know, this consciousness in regards to, you know, Macquarie Street's, um, uh, you know, standing over, you know, the state government's agenda of allowing, you know, the removal of communities and public space and green space in, in this way. Um, the closed door... Uh, agreement between, you know, the big end of town really says to most Sydney siders, and there's quite a few community action groups uh, uh, right across Sydney and growing, you know, with the uh, social cleansing, uh, with uh, social housing, with the Waterloo residence group. We've seen also with Miller's Point, which is very dear to the union part, the MUA. Um, it's a... It's a it's a social housing estate that dates back many generations of maritime workers. In fact, it was an area that no one wanted to live. A, so bit, I a bit like St Peter's, which is where Sydney Park is, being knocked Saint over Peter's, the West Connects. Again, the same. What, what we're finding is ordinary people in the community taken into their own hands and deciding that it's their community is worth fighting for. And the MUA, Sydney branch, are going to be there alongside and also um, to assist. Our members are very active, and I think it's in the in those traditions of working class history that, uh, you know, when the removal of rights and this destruction of, of the communities that we live in, we stand up. And Sydney siders are standing up, and St Peter's is a prime example to that. And we're not going to leave. We, we uh, have said to our members... This is a fight uh, worth fighting and certainly uh, we're going to be alongside the community in that fight. So does this herald a new, an ongoing presence of the MUA at the Sydney Park community picket? Absolutely. This, this isn't going to change. It's only going to grow and we're going to build our influence within the movement, within our communities, within the political establishment as well. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of things a lot of people don't realise what's occurred in this state. Uh, only, you know, at the end of last year, the Baird government 
had removed just small amounts of the democratic right to protest peacefully and have uh, given uh, greater powers to the police to, you know, remove people uh, in any type of public disorder and, you know, with impunity can use excessive force in doing so. We've seen that two weeks ago. And do you, as, and do you um, believe, Paul, that this is um, something that may be used against union members in the future? I'm certain that's going to happen. Yeah, we live in a different world today, not just Trump. But over the course of the last decade, right across the world, we've seen this nationalism. And I don't want to use the term popularism, but the anti-democratic agendas are coming through, and it's driven by big business, too. Paul, do you, think, that, this, do you yeah. think this is the beginning of a new generation of solidarity actions between community organisations and unions? I think there's a, there's a building class consciousness in our communities that's starting to grow. And... What I, you know, what my members are saying in the community, I've spoken to many people in the community down at St Peter's, you know, and in the other action groups in Sydney, which the MUA Sydney brand supports, the Waterloo Residents Action Group, uh, as I said, Miller's Point, and we were there as well with our comrades at the uh, Redfern and fighting to maintain their right and, uh, you know, to have decent housing and that the community itself was not forced out in some social cleansing by the big end of town. Uh, what the community is saying to, to myself and other officials in the branch is that uh, we're sick and tired of this uh, situation, this political power that uh, basically dictates our very way of life. You know, we have no power in the workplace. The politicians um, uh, are just, you know... Are dictated by the very rich, and uh, we've had enough. And now, with the erosion of democratic rights to protest, whereby the police will come in with excessive force, we're going to stand up. And if that's what's going to happen, well, we're prepared to fight them. We're prepared to fight the establishment, and we're prepared to maintain the communities that we've built over many, genera- uh, over many generations. I think West Connect, you know, no one's arguing in the community, yeah. St. Peter's, they're arguing that we don't need proper planning, infrastructure. No one's arguing in our community. Sydney siders are calling out for leadership in that. But what we're getting in return is a road that is privately owned, a road whereby for a generation it will not uh, come back to public ownership. So it's just a business. Paul Keating is the Deputy Secretary of the Sydney Branch MUA, live on the ground there in the traffic at St Peter's. Paul, we thank you so much for your time this morning. Uh, thanks very much, Colin. That's it for Stick Together. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks to Mel Gregson, Brad Marsh, Colin Hesse and Paul Keating from the MUA for talking to us. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne And we're broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and brought to you through your local community radio station. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au. You can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or you can call 03 9419 8377. My name's Annie McLaughlin. Catch you next time.